Start the episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tech and Bone Show, aka the Bones and Tech Show. What's up, Michael? What's going on? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I have spent most of my day running errands, but all in all, it was awesome. We're reframing a door to the backyard. Got the wife here, her own Jeep Wrangler. Got my 84 Firebird started and sold two guns. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. It's pretty so, productive. That is a pretty productive, pretty productive week. I uh, finished my internship at a hospital, so I'm done with that. And uh, just been kind of doing yard work around the house. So let's uh, let's dive right in. You, <laughs> there's an article that you wanted me to look up. I did. How come that? Like you know, let's talk about that. Let's uh, let's just dive right in. All right. So first and foremost, it's saddening. Really, more than I am angry, I'm saddened. I'm saddened that today's youth would stoop to such, and I'm using this term loosely, entertainment. Because really, it was not only offensive, but vulgarly offensive. It was really offensive. And it was done in such a blatant way. It wasn't as if they wrote hate mail or they sent a mean tweet. No, they literally recorded themselves being incredibly abusive, incredibly racist, in a community from what I saw the statistics really shouldn't lend itself to such behavior. Yeah, so for for people that don't know, uh, what Bones is talking about, uh, I guess there was a couple kids on TikTok decided to, um, yeah, be be pretty racist. So I looked it up because I was like, well, let me see what you're what you're talking about. What you're, uh, and uh, I'm actually in front of my laptop right now, so I can fact check. But uh, yeah, I watched the video and it was pretty, pretty disturbing, you know. And and uh, obviously, parents got to be involved, man. I mean, kids just don't do this uh you know on their own you, you know so I, I definitely hold would hold some parents responsible for this but uh you know just just like in in uh in, in normal fashion of course now um everybody's back you know like the the girlfriend she goes uh i want to apologize for the important video i posted i know in my heart how wrong it was D- does she does she know how wrong it was? I don't no. think so. Here he goes. I have no my, she does. My BF is racist, and he slowly normalizes racism on me. Okay. Still, I okay. should never have let him. I believe blacks are humans, too. What the hell? Even her apology is just awful. Right. So let's rewind a little bit. Oh my First God. and foremost, I really appreciate what you said about the parents, because here's the thing, Okay. These, and I don't want to hold them like adults. These are high school kids. Yes, there are young people in the world of the same age who are more adult than the average. And of course, I'm using that term average for a reason. The average American high school student. Having been an American high school student, I know from my own personal observations that the average American high school student has still not, quote unquote, come of age. It's not as if, They built up these racist tendencies from life experiences. There are persons out there who unfortunately have had very negative experiences with someone of a different race or even of the same race and and have picked up some prejudices along the way. But that's usually reserved for persons who've been out and about in the world. 
these are students and you've got the laptop. So fact check me that go to a high school that's about 60 percent white, 30 percent black. And the last little bit there is like mixed um, Hispanic and Asian. So it's not like they're in the middle of nowhere and have never met a black person. And it's not like they've been out in the world for a long time and have had some very negative experiences with persons of ethnicity other than Caucasian. No, these are, for the most part, sheltered, spoiled American high school brats who think this is not only okay behavior, but that in some way, shape, or form, it's so okay, they can not only entertain themselves, but others through said behavior. And that's just yeah. the problem on so many fronts. Yeah, let me let me jump in. I, and I don't even know who who the heck <laughs> who who is their targeted audience for this tick. You know what? First of all, let's talk about TikTok. Um, <clears throat> I like to stay up, you know, up to speed on all the social media things. You know, because we come from a, you know, we we are like the the, the digital generation. You know, when when we start, we started with Atari. And, you know, all the way from now. So in, for the most part, you know, we, we figure things out for ourselves. So, you know, I like to stay current just like you do. And, and TikTok, I tried to look, I have one, I have an account. I looked at it and, and, you know, it's just like, it's straight, it's garbage. It's garbage content. And I consume an insane amount of content a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, now <clears throat> I didn't think about it before, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to question what kind of content or the quality of content I'm actually consuming, you know, so um, it kind of evolving in that way as well. But, yeah, the videos on TikTok are, are garbage anyways. It's always it's either some girls twerking or uh, some kind of weird dance. And I don't I, I really just don't understand how it trends. Maybe you can shed some light on it. what you think about that. Like, well, have you looked at so it and seen the TikTok videos? Any yes, any yes. So I'm, I am somewhat in your boat. Being that not only am I of the digital age like yourself, and I'm open-minded, so I like to stay up to date on current affairs, current events, current trends. <clears> but <throat> also part of my employment, my day-to-day nine-to-five, is social media, social media marketing and such for the company I work for. So I I have to, to be a responsible employee, at least have a basic understanding of different social media platforms. So I did, and of course, by the way, I've got to throw a shout out, following Gary V's advice, who I watch his podcast, I'm a big fan of his, went and discovered TikTok for myself because he was like, it's the next big thing, it's blowing up, get on board now, it's going to be the next big thing. And he was right, which he usually is because it exploded all over the world. But now the question bears, did it explode for a quote-unquote good reason? Because as you so adequately described it, it's basically garbage. It's junk food for the brain. There is very little... I'm going to say very little because I'm assuming there has to be some. I have not run across any myself. Content, which is educational, useful, it's strictly, strictly entertaining, and it's strictly targeted to persons of a very short attention span. And that's intentional. So I give the the creators of TikTok props. They built exactly what they wanted. It was as if you wanted to build a sugary soda drink for children and invented Coke. TikTok is the Coke of the current mainstream generation. They love it. They can't get enough of it. Some of the top <clears throat> videos on YouTube are compilations of TikTok. You could be a very successful YouTuber 
never making any original content, just going and getting a bunch of TikTok clips, editing them into one video, making a catchy title and putting it on YouTube, which is amazing, but amazingly bad. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I spent it probably one time because I was just bored. You know, uh, I think I was waiting on like a car getting worked on or something like that. Jumped on TikTok and, you know, just swiping left or, or I forgot how you do it, but you're, you're flipping through. Oh, you, you either like it or you don't like it or you pass, right? Right. You either pass on the video or you like it. Correct. And I think I spent like 15 minutes and these are extremely short. I'm just like pass, 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 pass. But I think one that I recall that I actually liked, which I thought was actually pretty interesting, was an artist who um, – you know, did the time lapse of maybe something he was painting on the ground or something like that. And, you know, some uh, stuff like that. But the rest of the stuff, I'm just like, it's just girls, you know, look, trying to look fly. <laughs> Basically, girls just trying to look fly on the video and, uh, and either lip syncing. You know, of course, they have that have that right angle. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, yeah. the Internet pose or the Instagram right. pose, whatever the hell you want to call it, right? The Instagram females. Yeah, so you go to anybody's, for the most part, I would say 90% people's Facebook, and you click on their profile pictures, you can, it's almost, in the totality of it all, it's, it's really quite ridiculous. It's literally like, same pose, same pose, same pose, same pose, same pose, for like six years. You're just like, how bizarre is that? Okay, bizarre. You know, you know what, you just maybe have a, a, a PTSD-like flashback to the Facebook trend that was the duck face. Do you remember the duck face? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. I remember the duck face. Right. <laughs> it's evolved. So it's evolved. It's evolved into TikTok. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I am so grateful. I have never, ever, ever personally deleted anything from Facebook. I've had Facebook for like 10 years. I was one of the first people to have Facebook. And I'm not one of those people that like censors themselves or delete stuff to whitewash what it is they share. My Facebook is wide open. I have no security settings. The whole world knows what I'm doing and where I am when I yeah. it necessary to share. And I'm so proud that there's few things I'm quite as proud of as never having taken a duck face picture, never having seen a single episode of Jersey Shore and never having seen a single episode of any of the many shows either created by or affiliated with the Kardashians. Those are my, my prideful I little... I haven't watched anything either. Yeah, those are my prideful trophies I give myself. Speaking of media, um, <clears throat> you know, they, how, how, you, how, you, uh, how do you think this COVID stuff's playing out? I've, I've been, as of late, I think probably within like the last year or so year and a half i've really just been you know before i would have just a you know just like everybody else i kind of hit google news um <clears throat> you know kurt you know have a glance of like the headlines and you know for the for the longest part i um you know very cynical when it comes to the media you know we've been saying it for years i mean me and you have like oh, i can't trust the news or just right you know be back in the day pre pre-trump probably pre-obama you know you would see like how the news would just for the was it national disasters right hurricanes and just how they just this is the worst hurricane and uh you know i forgot how long ago but i, I would say it's like maybe the turn of the wheel and you'll probably remember when it was pointed out where some guy was faking. <clears throat> he was like trying to, it was a hurricane 
And he was like, we're out here. It's incredibly uh, dangerous. Yeah. And like he's going on and on. Exactly and like, the one you're talking thing, about. And, and, and the one that where the people are walking in the background, like they're on like eating ice cream cones or something. Right. Exactly. And just, so you like, had a newscaster. He's in like the slicker, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's, I remember it being blue or something those lines. And of course, he's standing at this intersection and he's like, you know, we're expecting the worst. It hasn't gotten here yet. We're going to be standing by. We are the news. So we're going to be reporting no matter what it takes. And then in the background, there's like two people walking and one cycling, like in shorts and T-shirts. It was, you know, rain. It's called rain and wind. You are not putting yourself at risk. You are not in the eye of some storm. You are not doing anything outstanding or extraordinary. What you are doing is acting. So when I was a kid, there was this cartoon. And I don't remember what cartoon it was. But it had morals, right? So every episode had a moral. And I'll never forget the news one because it, it really struck a chord with me. Um, the, the, the young animal, I forget what the character was. We'll just say it was like, a, I don't know, a raccoon or something, wanted to work for the school newspaper. And so he went around town reporting on the news, but nothing that interesting happened because it was kind of like a friendly, you know, animal village where like the raccoons got along with the squirrels and the squirrels got along with the bears and all that good stuff. So... He didn't so much as embellish as put his own spin, which I guess is embellishment by definition, on the things that he saw. So one of those things was that he saw a police officer say hi to the local grocer, grab an apple, wave goodbye, and walk away without having paid for it. But when he reported on this, he was called into the principal's office, and there was the local grocer, and there was the police officer. And what they explained to the young man, young raccoon, was that the police officer pays at the beginning of, of the week for seven apples, and every day he comes by and gets them. It's an agreement that him and the grocer had. Had he been a responsible news person, he would have done at least the bare minimum investigative work and questioned either the police officer or the grocery store gentleman and gotten all the facts. And this really struck a chord with me, and to this day it resonates because that's literally what we are not just looking the other way, but encouraging our modern day newscasters to, to say that the police officer is stealing apples. But in reality, that's not at all the case. These newscasters standing out in these intersections should be called out on their BS. Heck, their producer who encourages, if not demands it, should be called out. And the people that own the news media conglomerates should be called out. But more than anyone, the American people who consume it should be called out because in a democracy, you get the government you deserve. Well, guess what? We are getting exactly what we deserve because we're not turning off the CNN. We're not turning off the Fox News. We're not turning off the major, major media conglomerates. On the opposite, we're picking sides and consuming more than ever. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, you know, uh, and the thing, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get too in the weeds in this because this could be a whole couple podcasts in itself talking about the media. Um, you know, how it ties into uh, Operation Mockingbird, you know, and intelligence services and stuff like that. But, you know, on top of that, in that fucking onion <laughs> that is the media, you know, one of those layers is, um, you know, to, at the surface is they've incentivized uh, the news. You know, before it was just, hey, a, a guy, you know, somebody you trusted who presented a certain way, like a, a Walter Cronkite would get on give you the facts you know nothing but the facts and <clears throat> you would see like in the old the old time you know shows where like the reporter um 
you know, when a reporter was really a blue collar job, you know, being a reporter, you know, you didn't make money. But now, uh, you, you know, people get into anchors and stuff like that because they want to be they just want to be on TV, you know, pretty face on TV looking slick before, you know, back in the day in the 60s and the 50s, being a reporter was you, you were a watchdog group, you know. You were out there, um, right. you know, trying to trying to stick it to the man or, or, or holding people accountable with the facts and trying to break that really important story that, you know, the elite were, you know, trying to bury for whatever reason. And then when you brought that, when that reporter brought that story, you know, you'd have some hard-nosed editor. And you'd be like, hey, did you, where are your sources? How many sources you got? You know, there was like, and I worked with a lady who, who writes grants now, but she went to, you know, she's probably like 60 or 70. She went to school for journalism, and, and I had a really long, interesting conversation. I'm like, hey, what are the standards? You know, and there's, there's ethics, and there's, like, you know, multiple classes they had to take. You know, you can't just – but now, um, to briefly touch on Operation Mockingbird um, that was, you know, started, like, in the 50s or 60s or 70s. That's a 30-year span. I'm not entirely sure. I'll look it up and for a later episode, but basically – the CIA had a program called Operation Mockingbird where CIA agents um, basically approached reporters in all news outlets and but basically, hey, we want you to publish a fake story. We want to see if people we can get people to believe it. And this was you know useful to them because obviously they wanted to do this in other countries. So um, they did. And it was you know something that was revealed very much later, maybe in the eighties, through obviously the Freedom of Information Act. So it's already a precedent has been set where intelligence agency has, uh, you know, subverted regular news people to insert fake news, to muddy the waters for whatever reasons that they originally had, you know? So to think that that's even stopped, um, uh, is, is probably not realistic. We, you know, I, we all know that things yeah. just evolve. And get, be- and they get, get better, better at it. Yeah, they don't stop you know? So anyways, that's, that's a whole nother something that we can talk about later. But, you know, right now it's... Yeah, to touch on that, really. Um, so, you know, I've traveled a lot and I've met all kinds of people in all different walks of life. Um, I actually had an interesting conversation with a gentleman who was telling me how he was a part of a U.S.-led operation, he did not mention what agency it was or whatever, that wanted to skew an election in Latin America. And the reason we were talking about it was because um, there was another gentleman in our party who was homosexual. And um, We're in the, in the Latin American country, the Caribbean at the time, and that was very rare for this individual to move in the circles that we were moving in. These were, uh, for lack of a better term, high-end criminals that were moving in these circles. This gentleman wasn't flamboyantly homosexual, but everybody knew. It was like the first thing somebody told you about him. Like, oh, it was like the second thing, really, because he was actually, <laughs> funny enough, he was actually a, a rather well-renowned assassin. He, he was actually a killer for a drug cartel. And the second thing they told you right after that, well, like, watch your P's and Q's, that's so-and-so, was that he was gay. That was like a huge deal. So this other gentleman that I'm talking I'm, to at the same little dinner party. I, can you explain why it was a huge deal that he was gay? I don't. Dude, because the, the 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 mentality of this is probably nineteen <clears throat> oh, 92, 93, maybe ninety four, somewhere in that ballpark. The mentality of Dominicans, Colombians, Mexicans, uh, Argentinians, okay, yeah. no, the, I the got people you. Were, 
very probably very very Catholic was very much you know old school. That was not okay. You know that was not okay. It was okay to listen to music and know that the artist was gay. It was okay to laugh at jokes and know that the comedian was gay. But it was not okay to be gay and be in politics, which is where the story is going. So what they did was they started a rumor that this individual who's running for a political office in a Latin American country who was going to be hard on their enterprise was homosexual. Homosexual was a closet homosexual. And what they did was they got to the journalists, they got to the media, they got to the radio stations, and they just started putting it out there that so-and-so was seen leaving a hotel room or that so-and-so. And they didn't have to do it overtly. It wasn't like they made a newscast about it. They would just crack a joke here or there during their newscast. Or a DJ would play a song and say, I heard, I, I heard a certain somebody likes dancing with his secreted mo- boyfriend at this nightclub to this song. You know, it was very, very casually done. But it tanked him in the polls. That's all they had to do. They completely moved him off the chessboard by doing nothing more than starting a rumor among a very macho society that this person was a closet homosexual. And the person I was speaking to was an American, and he told me that he was a part of this whole plot, the whole plan. Like He straight up told me about it. We were deep in our drinks. We were at this party slash meeting event, and he came clean with that. And that's a perfect example right there of how powerful – media can be it doesn't matter if it's true if the effect it has is so damaging no you're right um i mean like i said we're seeing it we're seeing it here in in modern times with the media case in point and i shared it on facebook the other day so i saw an article about president trump okay all the time and you know it's either he's doing awesome or people are like oh just look what he's doing we need we need leadership. We need, uh, you know, somebody smart. And, you know, we're doomed, you know, stuff like that. And uh, the, the title of the article was, get this, President Trump names uh, Vince McMahon as a board advisor group, you know, to help restart the U.S. economy. And I'm like, what? Okay. And, of course, everybody underneath it is just slamming. They're like, look at this guy. You know, you can see, you can imagine like the, the remarks like, oh, we go WrestleMania and the economy and so on and so forth. And I can understand because I read that. I'm like, that sounds crazy. So I read the article and it, you know, goes down and explains that what actually is going down is Vince McMahon is part of a advisory group along with the other heads of the sports entertainment industry. All right, to advise on restarting the sports entertainment industry. He's, he represents wrestling. They got the, the head of NFL. They got the head of the MLB. They got the head of NHL, NBA, so on and so forth, right? Has nothing to do with the U.S. economy. He's not sitting there in the White House at a table with the president, you know, saying, hey, sir, uh, you know, I think we need to, you know, up the Fed or whatever the hell. Right, shift interest yeah, exactly. rates or anything along the way. He's going to be an advisor on how I don't know to get wrestle started back up again. That right. and the fact that they stretched that or um, distorted it to the point where you know it's almost they manufactured the headline because you know we all went to school right. 
you read the story and the teacher goes, hey, what was the main idea of that story? Or what's the main idea of that paragraph? You know, it's kind of like right. all the media across the board has done the same thing. You know, I have to literally with a fine tooth comb, go through the article, which some people will argue like, well, my, or, you know, Hey tech, you should be doing that anyways. Right. You know, it's your fault if you don't read the, you don't read the facts or, or dig in. You just, cause you know, I'm like a lot of other people. There's so much content out there. You can pull up Google right now, hit the news button and just see what the headlines say. And, you know, I look at the headlines, you're like, Jesus, man, we're in big trouble. But then you click into the, the actual articles and you read and you're like, how the hell did they get this uh, headline in the first place? It's pretty wild. You know? It is. And it goes back to we get exactly what we deserve. People right now, it's not about scandal cells or sex cells. That's always been the case with media. Obviously, people were going to read magazines and newspapers and watch television broadcasts on things that were inflammatory. That's obvious. Duh. Human nature. But now it's gotten to the point where it's acceptable and, again, even encouraged to go the step further. It's one thing for you to say that Vince McMahon is on the board of counselors for sports and you don't like that. Or it's one thing for you to say that it's a waste of time for President Trump to even worry about sports because what do sports really contribute to the economy? That's perfectly fine if you don't like that. But it's totally not okay for you to turn this and twist it to such a way to make it appear to the uneducated, unwashed masses who unfortunately have no interest in becoming educated that in some way, shape or form, Vince McMahon's got like an eight o'clock in the Oval Office with like the chief of the Fed. Like, come on, let's let's keep it like let's ground it some more. Let's try to at least treat ourselves with some respect. And the saddest part is. Everybody wants to throw shade on the millennials. Oh, the millennials this, the millennials that. So much so that the millennials are defending themselves and throwing shade on Generation Z. But that's not who I see propagating this. You know who I get chain emails from? You know who I see the most garbage posts from? Boomers. It's boomers. It honestly is. It's our parents' generation. That's who's forwarding chain messages. That's who's sharing these articles on Facebook who's sharing these articles on Instagram, who's sharing these articles in all their social media. They're so proud to now have become some small part of, and they're the ones that are spreading the garbage. If I have to fact check one more person, I'm going to drive myself insane. I'm becoming like the grammar Nazi. I'm serious. I'm like the grammar Nazi of fact checking old people. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm looking up, which I think I kind of know what is the age of the boomer generation, which give me a couple seconds. But I'm pretty yeah, sure that's like uh, that falls under Hillary ahead. Clinton, George Bush Jr. You know, of course. Uh, I don't. Here we go. Born between 1946 and 1964. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly. You know, <laughs> the uh, that's exactly who you're talk about this. Go. So going back to COVID nine, and you know what? Let me pause for a second. They should know better. Because you know what? They lived through McCarthyism. They lived through the Cold War. They should already be well aware that the government is not in any way, shape, or form responsible for the truth. The government feels a certain responsibility to win the global game that is we are the best nation in the world. 
The government feels certain responsibility to protect its financial status. At no point in time have any of these people's political representative shown a single care from Vietnam to the McCarthy era to the internment camps for the Japanese. Well, yeah, no, I mean, they actually. I, I think this podcast, I, I think it's going to we're probably going to name this like the media podcast because uh, we're you know, this is really great. Um, you know, I, this stuff can probably tie back to, you know, the beginning or, or pre-World War II, you know, when the medium of television became brand new. Because I didn't know until very recently that the NBC, CBS, all the – I don't know how many there were, but the very original uh, networks, I guess you can call them that, were government uh, – were, were started by the government. You know, um, as a matter of fact, I, I can't I don't know if it was vice versa, but either like the head of NBC uh, was either in the military and fought in World War Two or, you know, when I say fought, they obviously did what they know, which is, uh, you know, just like Walt Disney, right? Sir. Media and stuff like that. So I don't know if they were either. Yeah. I don't know if they were either commissioned first and then or or they were soldiers first and then. After the war, they yeah, like, you know what? Hey, guess what I learned in the war? Hey, let's start a new network. So, and all that was, was to garner public support. The whole purpose of television and programming, you know, was to garner support for World War II. You know, and, and, and well, of course, because think about it. They learned from Hitler. Hitler was a genius when it came to that. Hitler hired popular movie directors. Hitler hired popular People who already were making silent films in black and white that people were going in droves to see. And he saw that and he had the foresight or the persons around him. I'm not sure who it was, but somebody had the foresight and he had the foresight to listen to them if it wasn't his original idea to say, hey, appearance is everything. If you want the world to fear you, follow you, obey you and admire you, uniforms matter. Flags matter. Parades matter. Beautiful people matter. You know, so here we go. And what do we do? Like so many other things, like the entire rocket program, we learn. We go and we're like, wow, that was awesome. That's pretty impressive. I'm still reading a book. It's called, it's actually called Operation Paperclip. It's probably, um, it's written by this uh, lady. I forget her name. It's off the top of my head. But, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, and a very intensive like collection of like, hey, this because before you know, like I knew about Wander von Braun. I was like, oh yeah, he's a Nazi scientist. He's just a scientist, and he's just kind of doing what he's told. But so far, I've heard in this book we bought, uh, and it's just recently coming to pop culture, right, with the Hunters on Amazon, you know. But right, just in the also Joe Rogan, another person I'm a huge fan of, did a really good podcast that's where I on found this out, That's where well. I found out about the book from him, and I was like, "Oh, let me read this. Let me read this stuff, man." And she was actually the author was on there uh, talking about, you know, the the commando kind of arm of the CIA, and she was you know promoting a book on that. But I went back to Operation Paperclip and I started reading. I was like, "Man, we really brought in." <laughs> if people actually knew who we brought over, like guys who physically like had the handle on the gas lever type of guys, you know, they gave, well, gave, gave them a free it. pass, if, man, if in America, Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> hey, man, enjoy the movie, and here's your, your alternate identity. Ha- have a good life. And, uh, 
God, man, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that, but, you know, to bring. Well, let's just think about it. If you're going to recruit from the enemy and the enemy is comprised of literally monsters. I mean, there's no let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not whitewash it. The elite regime of the Nazi party were a bunch of monsters. They were capable of carrying out atrocities on humanity. They're right there with the Khmer Rouge. They're right there with Stalin. They're, they're just the type of person that is able to flip that switch and look at a human being and not see a human being and just carry out atrocities on them. So if you're going to recruit from this pool, who do you want? You want only the best, right? You can only pick so many, right? So you have to pick the best. No, and, but and, and I got that too. And the, and the Russians were also in the race as well to grab up these guys. So I get that as well. Of course they were. That was your other choice. But the Russians were keeping them in like camps and stuff like that. The Americans were like, nah, man, we'll put you in South Carolina. <laughs> we'll put you in Florida. I'm sure they put them somewhere where like somewhere their German accent would, because I know there's a lot of guys who were, even until probably the 60s, they're like, you know, what, what'd you call that? They who probably refused to buy anything that was not American. Who, <laughs> if like, you had a German last the name, there, you know, you better not come. The here. irony there is that the German uh, influence in America is so great. I mean, come on, Budweiser, Schlitz. There's so many German things. I mean, you go to like the blue collar America, it's heavy, heavy Austrian. I mean, it's heavy Germanic. Yeah, it but is that's like, you know, definitely ingrained. That's during like the founding of uh, <laughs> the nation. You know what I mean? Those guys, right? You know, yes, they're, you know, Pennsylvania for crying out loud. You know, a lot yeah, of but it wouldn't be that strange. Like, not every Nazi had to really change their name to Smith or Adams. It wouldn't be that hard. You just be like, yeah, dude, you come over here. We'll give you some English classes, and uh, there you go. There's there's plenty of German stuff for you to enjoy. I mean, every major city I've ever lived in has a, a an Italian American house, a German American house. Yeah. I mean, who who doesn't have Oktoberfest? No, you're right. So you we know, don't even um, hard for these guys become accustomed, become acclimated to our culture. Yeah, you know, it's pretty easy too, you know, and it's just, ooh, it's, that's dark stuff, man. That's what I call the dark arts. You know what I mean? Jesus. So back to where we started on this tangent. I'm sorry. The COVID-19 can situation. I, can I just cut in for a second? Let me, uh, let me tie, yeah, let ahead. me tie that up. And this is relevant. So what we're doing, what we did or what you alluded to, you know, the behavior with Germany, fast forward to now and you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to say just the, the powers that be right. The elite or whoever the hell, you know, it's a kind of a catch all. Um, we're, we're going down the same path, except with China. Right. I just recently learned that uh, there was an article. I'm going to when the reporter publishes it on her website, who's actually living in Chile now, uh, I'm going to read it and read it in depth. But apparently there's a program. Um, that was uh, discovered because somebody requested it through the Freedom Information Act is something about, uh, I think it's called the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, right? You're like, oh, that sounds like some computer stuff, sort of. You know how they give names to crap, right? It has nothing to do with the program. But anyways, the, 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 the down and dirty is <clears throat> that uh, the, there's – the guy, his name is Eric Schmidt. He used to be, I don't know, CEO or something at Google. So you got Google, um, Microsoft, the CIA, ex-spooks, and on this commission. And they proposed that 
there's some kind of fourth industrial revolution that, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, um, you know, stuff that they're doing in China where everybody's kind of like tracked on their phones, um, pay with their phones, you know, stuff like that. Well, these guys are been arguing or talking about introducing a Chinese model, right? Except we're going to do it. So it's going to be good. So everything that we know as of right now, me and you, you know, of how oppressive China is, you know, they're the powers of beer looking at China like, man, you know what? Of course, there's a public face and a private face, right? So in private, they're talking, they're just like back in the day with the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and shit, you know, they didn't care about the Jews. As a matter of fact, they just wanted to do business with the Nazis, right? But as soon as we go into war with them, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, we don't like the Nazis either. You know, yeah, no, we'll stop selling steel and iron and stuff like that to them. So you fast forward to now, you know, the, the guys in private are like, man, I really, <laughs> they really want to do what China's doing. But that will, you know, with our ideals, right, and our paradigm in our country, you know, that would never fly. But they're constantly trying to figure out a ways to kind of like slip it in under the doorstep, you know, just a little bit where people don't really notice. You know, and according to this, the stuff was proposed uh, last year. They want to, they call these things uh, um, legacy systems, like, or meaning that they're outdated and we need to get rid of them, like credit cards, cash. They want to go to a cashless thing where you can just pay with your phone. And we've already seen a slipping, slipping a, a bit of this with Apple Pay, right? All the, the you know, so I've got Google got, Pay. I got Google Pay too, right? So I just sent a buddy of mine money today that I owed him on a car I purchased. I'm making payments to him via Facebook mobile. Yeah. I used a Facebook messenger application to send him some money. Yeah. So, and that's cool. I like having extra things, but guess what? What if that was your only thing? Think about the amount of control. And it's just, it's just the consolidation of things we both know is never good. The consolidation of uh, food distribution. And right now we've seen with the consolidation of media, right? Disney owns freaking everything. That's not a good thing, you know? So these guys, you know, are, you know, cause the, the, what they'd say, what they're arguing is if we, if we don't do it first and better than China, China's just, I guess, going to scoop up, make some money or, or overshadow us somehow, you know, even though, and they, so they want to get rid of credit cards, the legacy system, cash is a, a, a legacy system that they want to get rid of individual cars, legacy system, right? They, you know, um, they want you to be able to not the shop from home. Right. And think about, and we talked about this before, who's all benefiting right now, you know, Amazon, oh, Netflix, Amazon, Uber, you know, Netflix, nobody's driving. So, you know, these are things that are being proposed by these guys for, you know, and it's scary because, um, well, that's the problem with a the conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theory is only a conspiracy theory until it's proven to be true. So, yes, does it sound a little bit crazy that there's a possibility that maybe this whole COVID-19 thing, whether the illness itself, the, the actual germ the itself was manufactured for this purpose or whether or not this is just a side effect of the pandemic that they can then put this social engineering into play. Regardless of which came first, the chicken or the egg, the question is, is this the tomorrow that you know we're seeing today? Because people keep saying, when things get back to normal, I can't wait to do this. When things get back to normal, well, first and foremost, things are never going back to normal. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to shake strangers' hands. I don't know where your hands have been. I can now use this 
part of my life, even if things go back to quote unquote normal, to, to leave that out of my every day to day. Being that I am in sales and marketing, I have shaken thousands upon thousands of hands of people that probably did disgusting moments before shaking my hand. But that's just one small thing. How many people are discovering YouTube? Okay, yes, we all take it for granted. By we all, I mean people that we move in certain circles. But now you have people in unprecedented numbers logging onto YouTube, logging onto Instagram, logging onto TikTok because they're stuck at home. And they're like, what is that thing that everybody always watches? Or maybe they only went onto YouTube to look at cooking recipes, but now they're, in, they're enjoying the rabbit hole of YouTube where you go how to cook a lemon meringue pie. And an hour later, you're watching lemon yellow Ferrari races turbo motorcycle because that's the way it works if you stay on there long enough. So is this part of the social engineering is getting away from cash money? Because guess what? Most people got those stimulus checks direct deposited. I mean, how easy was that? And like you said, consolidation is bad. Why? They turn the faucet on. They can turn the faucet off. Oh, you owe money for this? You're not getting paid your quote unquote credits. You violated this? You didn't do that? You don't get your quote unquote credits this week or this day or this month. That's right. It's that. <clears throat> you know, and uh, there, somebody, somebody described what, you know, because we both know, you know, the, the powers that be will never let a, uh, a, a good crisis go to waste, right? You know, for all we know, this, could, this could be a test run to see how compliant people are. And we know about compliance, man. You know what I mean? It, it's, we like to think that, you know, our citizens and our countrymen will, you know, but they will, you know, it's a lot easier to infringe on your rights and let it happen. It's almost like sticking a, bo- a frog in, in boiling water. You know, it's not going to jump out so if you slowly turn that temperature up. And that's kind of what's happening here. People are, you know, I, I've seen the just downright scary compliance, you know, with stay home, do what you're told, as long as you're scared, you know, and. Uh, oh, 100%. Every day I see people wearing masks that I want to tell them, but I don't feel like being that person are ineffective. Yeah, I mean, it's going to block some things. Yeah, you're right. But literally, no. there's a reason why the N95 masks are called N95 masks. There's a reason why hospitals purchase these things and don't just have doctors and nurses pulling their turtlenecks up or wearing their neck gaiters or putting a bandana on. It's because it, it's the whatever the terminology is used when you're measuring things of microscopic proportions. They're called microns. That's it's a, microns. Thank yeah, masks. How many particles of microns per thousandth or per millionth, this thing can actually filter. So here you have these people, and I mean, it's making it blatantly obvious where we are as a society right now, that either, uh, you've seen all the pictures, I don't have to tell you or our listeners, like you've seen the pictures, the guy, you know, playing with his smartphone and he's got the fingertip of his glove in his mouth standing in line at the grocery store, so gross, Uh Persons that are driving around in their cars with their mask on. What do you think that's doing? Like, are you serious? No, right you're now? right. Really and I'm not saying like you should try to protect yourself, but you need to have you need to have visual on what's going on because um, you, you need what I want people who listen to this. If anybody listens to this, to understand uh, they made it this far <laughs> to understand that there are people in power who have their own agendas who are trying to look at the situation like what can i get done that i've been wanting to get done all right some some lady um said with this lockdown you know what i mean like what we're witnessing could possibly be 
a uh, controlled demolition of the economy. You know what I mean? I was like, that's pretty brilliant expression. So that they can't usher in uh, things that I'm, I can't even think about or foresee right now. But when it happens, they're going to sell it away, and then people are going to be like, you know, it really is for the best, you know. And you're going to see all these people who are going to, and you're going to have a few people, you know, unfortunately, shout out like me and you. We can't do anything. We're not going to be able to change the system. We're not going to stop whatever's coming. I just want to be. I don't want to be asleep at the wheel, man. I want to see it. But I know because it's real easy. I got a family. You got people you care for. But, you know, (laughs) they can do things like, hey, guess what? If you don't take this program or you don't go underneath what we're doing, your insurance is going to be super expensive. You know what I mean? Get that app and just throw away your credit cards, you know, get get with the program. You know, they can do all kinds of things that aren't technically illegal, but it just makes your life extremely hard. You know, I've read it. A long time ago, when I was used to read my dystopian science fiction novels, you know, it'd be like, you know, they're talking about people having like hardware in their brains and they would be able to see advertisements, get their mail, all that kind of all basically utilities. Right. But then there's people who are like, man, I don't want to get hardware in my body. But guess what? They don't they can't they can't make purchases. They can't buy a house. They can't drive a car. They can't check into their you know, so you can live free, of course. but you know, so these are the techniques and, and, and procedures that could be in place on us. And, you know, if you, you know, well, it's like you said, if you turn the temperature up on the frog. So if, if they came out and said, Hey, if you don't get the vaccine to COVID-19, you can't get free healthcare. A large chunk of Americans would be like, screw your healthcare. I'll pay for my own. You're not giving me that shot because that's, you know, the American way you push us, we push back. Yeah. But, if you find another way, if you find another way to get that same vaccine into people such as, and I'm just spitballing. I don't think this is what's actually happening. I don't think it's what's going to happen. Yeah. I just want to put that out there too. I'm, you know, I'm not, <laughs> these are just things to think about that, that do have precedent. Right. Okay. They, they, it's not like they don't have precedent. Correct. We're not going completely off the handle with any of these things. We also don't sit around with the tinfoil hats on going, this is what happening. Because honestly, we don't have all the answers. That's why this is an open debate and discussion. And we're, we're welcoming our listeners also, of course, to uh, message us. Let us know what you think about this. Quick reminder there that you're also a part of this conversation. Um, Tech and myself have been having these conversations for years. And we just felt like it was time to put the conversations out there because we can only garner so much intelligence from each other. So that's a part of the reason we're not just here for your entertainment. We're also here for our education. So by all means, write in, call in, whatever you got to do, communicate with us and let us know what you think. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Got, you know, uh, yeah. Let me but, just... uh, yeah. What if, what if this is the alternative, though? What if what if the alternative isn't stand in line for this shot or else you can't get health care? What if the alternative is? You're laying in a hospital bed with your lungs full of fluid. And if you don't let us do this, you're going to die. Yeah. I can assure you that percentage would shift drastically. Oh, yeah. I think people were doing it. I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine, okay? Um, there's things that make sense. But there's some things, too, that, you know, I, I am an honest skeptic of everything, you know, because I've seen things, right? You know, Um and I know how industry works. These people only care about profit, right? So, you know, if, if the bottom line is in the, you know, we talked about this before too, you know, so if a guy's up there, 
And he's like, hey, uh, Mr. Burns, you know, we got to roll out this COVID vaccine. Um, you know, it's, it's going to save a lot of lives. And, you know, however, it's shown that, you know, 10% or whatever number you want to throw in there, you know, could have side effects or, or maybe we're not getting this one right. And the guys at the board they sit around and all they want to know about, like, well, how much is that going to cost? You know, is it going to cost more than what we're going to make for rolling this stuff out? You know, and if it doesn't, and if it doesn't, you know, they're going to roll it out, whatever. And that's how it is in all industries. Okay. You know, just like with, you know, let's break it down to something simple, peanut butter. Okay. There's a gold standard of peanut butter. Okay. When they get a shipment out, they're allowed so much, uh, you know, fuck ups, I guess you can say, right. You know, they're all, you know, when, when, when the uh, government comes and checks them out, like, Hey, you want to make sure this is, uh, this is good for consumable people or whatever, you know, they are like, well, you know, we're, we're only allowed like three toenails, you know, throughout the whole batch per hundred. Right. You know, it's that same. Yeah. There's a standard for everything, <clears throat> but that standard isn't a zero sum. You know what I mean? And no. that's the same thing with pharmaceuticals, even less. So probably, you know, and that's when you, you know, and that's when you bring in the human factor because people are unscrupulous. Okay. Or I'm not even sure if I use that word right, but they're, you know, some people don't care. They want to get paid. They don't care how many people they hurt. You know, we'll cover it up. We'll no, pay it off. Or... That's 100% factual. I mean, if you just look at, for example, going back to legal pharmaceuticals versus illegal pharmaceuticals, narcotics. Well, here's the thing. The government doesn't care whether or not people do cocaine. What the government cares about is that you do their cocaine. So if you're doing Adderall, <laughs> which is just as addictive, which attaches itself to the same receptors in the brain as cocaine, acts like cocaine, then they don't have a problem with that. Just get a prescription. What they don't want is you buying cocaine from other countries, from other suppliers. Same thing when it comes to all the oxy issues we're having in this country. They don't want you getting heroin from the Golden Triangle or anywhere else. What they want is you on a Pfizer pharmaceutical pill. What they want is you on a bear pill. They don't want you buying it from someone else. That's the problem. And because of the war on drugs, they can't exactly reverse that policy. They can't turn around and say, hey, by the way, you know, uh, maybe we went a little bit far on the whole war on drugs. You know, we spent billions of dollars and wasted innumerable resources and sacrifice so many lives, but we're going to change our mind because, you know, we can grow coca in the South and we can go to high elevation altitudes and grow opium poppies and make our own heroin. And by the way, it doesn't matter if we do or don't, you guys are going to still keep doing the damn drugs, which has been proven. They can't do that because it's not a good look. Look at how much pushback marijuana is getting, which anyone with a half an education can tell you is nowhere near as detrimental to society as, oh, I don't know, nicotine, sugar. I mean, that's (laughs) – we can talk – we've had, and I would like to have them again, at-length discussions about the war on drugs and what that all means. And that's a whole other – that's a – that's another podcast in itself. We got oh, some we podcast. We definitely got yeah, some podcasts lined up. You know, yeah. I think I think this is um, this is pretty good. It's a, a good first. Uh, it's a good first episode. A little 
little rough around the edges, but I think it just get better as long as, as you know, longer that me and you do this, you know? So well, um, the beauty of modern times is that before people were like, make the best possible one as your first. You only have one chance to make a first impression. In all honesty, if this is at all successful years from now, we'll be looking back laughing at how bad the first podcast was. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reiterate, you know, me and you are doing this because we're just two regular guys. We're, yep. we're not normal. Everyday. I'm not super duper savvy on the internet. You know, I'm, I'm I don't have I'm a PhD. Hell, yeah. I don't even have a bachelor's. I dropped out of four colleges. We're, we are, we're just like everybody else is probably listening to us. If anybody listens to us, um, <laughs> which, you know, for me, I, I want to do this cause it's fun. And like, I like talking to you, like me and me and you talk to each other and we have different views on things and we're good sounding boards. And it's for me to kind of work through what I'm thinking about what I'm trying to figure out in life, you know, how, how to, what's coming down the pipe, you know what I mean? Just, just trying to figure out this crazy thing called life, you know? And not, well, yeah, uh, and if nothing else, you know what? Speaking of family, I mean, it's it's going to be a part, a small part, but maybe a, a large part. You never know where this is going um, of the legacy you leave behind, because I would have loved to have the opinion of our forefathers recorded so I could go back and see it. And of course, we do in written testimony, but paper was expensive. Ink was expensive. Those things are very perishable. I, I dread the idea that future generations are only going to have TikTok to look at and think that that's how we acted. Like, that's that. Oh wow. You're sleep at no, night you're right. That. Um, you know, no, you're absolutely right. That's a that's a great point. So years from now, my son and daughter can listen to me and you. And, you know, hopefully with adult ears, you know what I mean? Like, if they're trying to figure out, like, why is things the way they are, you know, hopefully I can help them. But this is really an unbiased because this is me and you talking. I'm not talking to my kids, right? but I think it'll be useful no, for them in great. the future. If they disagree with us, God bless them. I want I hope I'm antiquated. I hope everything I'm thinking is wrong. And there's a whole new world, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And I can be one of those people that's like, I don't get it because you know what? I at least will leave this behind. So they understand when your son and daughter are like, well, you know, dad and, Uncle Bones, they you know they got their own way of seeing things. But if you went back and listened to their podcast, you'll understand why they think the way they think and why they see the world through the eyes they see it through. They won't have to wonder because I tell you, man, I wonder. I wonder how we thought it was okay to ever make slavery legal. I wonder how it was ever okay to beat your wife legally. I wonder, like, how, how did we go that far as a society in some ways forward and in other ways back? Yeah, no, and you know, it's... And it's an ebb and flow, too, because, you know, I remember being a teenager, and I don't want to drag on this, but I remember being a teenager, and I was like, man, we are we are breaking down racial barriers. I felt I was a part of that group of people that were doing that. And it's kind of like, if you're, if you look forward now, you know, you know, especially with the past six or seven years, you think, you think we haven't made any kind of progress. You know what I mean? I remember when we were like, yes, it's okay to interracial date. You know, we were really, I felt really optimistic. I felt as a teenager that, Hey, we're, you know, we're all one. And I, I really think we made steps forward and somehow, you know, it's kind of like people are thinking like, you know, acting like it's uh, the early '90s again, and people even then it was still, still kind of bad. You know, but I don't know. Anyhow, man, I gotta let you go. 
Yeah, no, it's that's a perfect way to end the cast. Anyways, we're coming up right up on an hour. We're about four and a half minutes from an hour of this podcast, our first ever podcast. And I'm glad we came full circle because, yeah, that's a great point you made. You, like myself, moved a lot in your teenage years and went to multiple schools and lived in multiple communities. And I felt it, too. I felt, you know, having Vanilla Ice be a white rapper. I felt like so many things that I won't even rant and rave on showed us that we were going in the right direction. And then you wake up one day and you find out that these two kids on TikTok are just as bad as <laughs> people were in the 60s or the 50s or whatever. You know, like, what are you going to do now? You're going to stone an interracial couple in the park on your first date? What is wrong with you? Yeah, no. What and and I, I would guarantee that those kids don't live anywhere near any people of color. I bet they're in some kind of like bedroom community where they got well, their own no, stop no, no. That's the thing. Hold on. Before we end the podcast, we have three minutes left. Pull up your computer. Look at their high school. It's 60% white and about 30% black. That's still only two white people for every black. I mean, come on, dude. That's not that skewed. Well, no, no, I know. And it's That's in Georgia. So but I'm just saying that these kids, all they see those kids are probably at school. They're probably, they live in a probably oh, nice, nice yeah, little community. You know what I mean? Like a suburban neighborhood where like, yeah. Yeah. The kind of place where black people still get the cops called on them for having a barbecue yeah, remember, in the park. Remember when I was in Maryland and I told you where uh, old girl lived and they like it was like a bedroom yeah. community. They had their own like little shopping center too. You didn't have to leave going anywhere. Like there were you know big ass houses, two hundred fifty thousand dollar houses everywhere. You know that was like the norm or it's more expensive. Um, of course, I'm assuming about these kids. I'm not. I'm making an assumption. Okay, I'm not saying that's what's going on, but you know I wouldn't be shocked. You know that because you know what I grew up. I, I grew up. You know the poor whites. Guess where they live? Right next to the poor blacks and the poor Hispanics. You know right. what I'm saying? And and those kids yeah. don't act like that. You know when I was no, a kid. When I was not. a kid, I, I went next door and I played. We all played. You know. Uh, yeah. So I I can honestly say I I never heard the term nigger used in a derogatory sense until I was about 14 years old in Florida. My whole entire youth growing up in New York City, we called each other nigger all the time. It was like, hey, nigger, how you doing? Yo, what's up, nigger? It was, it was a normal thing. It was, I was born in 1975, so we're talking about the 80s. Yeah, well, I'm running around with a skateboard in New York City. <laughs> let's, uh, state, no let's state for a fact that, that you are Dominican, and uh, I don't yeah. know that culture or New York City, but you know what I mean? I don't think, uh, you know, Joe Blow from Wall Street was, was, was slinging that term around. No, no, not at all. But what you're saying is still true. The few white kids that did live in the projects and stuff like that, they didn't talk any different than the black kids or any. No one, you, you didn't get a ghetto pass. You were, it was just the way it was, man. You either could or you couldn't. But no one ever called me or any of my friends a nigger, like, get out of my way, nigger. No one ever used that terminology until I got to Florida. So it blew my mind. When I got to Florida at 14 years old, like how blatant racism was, like just how obvious and in your face it was. Because, of course, the Wall Street bankers were probably looking at me and my young punk skateboard rats that way. But they sure as heck kept it to themselves. <laughs> all right. All right, brother. I got to let right. you go. I got to attend to things. Thanks for a good first. There. Please give us some feedback. Yeah, absolutely. We need it. Yep. <laughs> All right.